perfect segue, John, into Please. the the <laughs> the NFL draft. Um, as I said on the at the onset, you know the the Cincinnati Bengals and their fans probably mostly have um, the the NFL draft mostly to look forward to. So yes, we've been talking a lot about the quarterbacks, and yes, we will get to the quarterbacks. We're not going to kick off the segment with that this week, just so you know, so all you listeners know. On uh, the De- this December 11th episode, we have Joseph Yoon from uh, Addicted to Quack. Uh, that's like the best, best. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. I love, I love that website name. Uh, the SB Nation Oregon Ducks website. He is going to be joining us then um, for, to talk about Justin Herbert, maybe a couple of other prospects as well. So he's going to help us kind of uh, move this segment along. We also have uh, Billy Gomila. Um, from the LSU SB Nation website, um, he should be joining us next week. By the way, our our show next week will be next Tuesday night, not Wednesday night, the third. So join us if you're a live listener. Join us for that. Billy Gomila uh, is tentatively set to join us that evening. As is um, the uh, it's Brent Taylor from the Alabama website to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. So for the next couple of weeks after tonight, the next couple of shows, we will have, we will be talking quarterbacks and we'll be talking with them from people that watch them on a weekly basis and pretty much all of their snaps. So we're going to get some good insight there on the prospect watch list. But this week we're going to kind of kick off with some guys that a little lesser known, at least on my end, um, that, uh, you know, either position-wise, you know, need, whatever the case may be, they may they might be guys that the Bengals could target, not necessarily in the first round, but in later rounds. And since I am a Southern California guy, and since I watch a lot of USC football, I'm going to start with a USC prospect. And this prospect is wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., his father was a running back in uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a number of years. And uh, this kid, Michael Pittman, was a very effective – he was kind of a reserve guy, kind of got some starts throughout his career. But um, his son, Michael Pittman Jr., is a wide receiver for the USC Trojans. Um, his, his other, He's got another son, Micah Pittman, who plays for Oregon as well. But uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is set to leave. There are conflicting kind of – reports on where Pittman may go. Some people think he could be as high as a second or third round guy. Some people think he's going to be a day three pick. Here's, here's kind of the, the deal with him. Uh, he is absolutely huge. 6'4", 220. Uh, he runs uh, vertically pretty well. It's going to be interesting to see what his 40 time is because if his 40 time ends up being a good time to match with those kind of you know, the, the 6'4", 220 frame, that's going to skyrocket his draft stock. Where he excels, John, is high-pointing the football. He does make the big play. Um, he's not an overly fast guy, but he's pretty fast for his size. He's made – the last two seasons combined, granted USC is going to have a uh, probably a bowl game here, so he still has a, at least a game to play here. But um, in – 
22 games the last two years. He has 17 touchdowns scored. And that, for those who do not know about the USC Trojans, they've had a carousel of quarterbacks that have come in and out of the lineup because of injury and ineffectiveness and all kinds of things since Sam Darnold left. So uh, as a as a junior, Pittman had 41 catches, 758 yards for a, a big 18 and a half yards per, per catch average and six touchdowns. Um, this year, a big jump in statistics as their go-to guy, 95 catches, 1,222 yards, and 11 touchdowns. The yards per um, yards per catch average dropped to 12.9, but effective guy. So a lot of – I know you hate to do comparables, NFL comparables, John. I'm not a big fan of them either because you, you throw something out there and you think it's a compliment. Some people don't take it as such, what have you. But I see – I see this kid as a quicker Auden Tate. Auden Tate. Uh, I see him as maybe a bit more athletic Auden Tate with the size, the catch radius, and can do a, a few more things vertically. He's, he's an inch smaller, but he's got the big body, the big frame. He is a big red zone target. He's a guy, like I said, he'll high point the ball. He can go deep. He can move the chains a little bit. Um, I think he may run a bit slower. So I think that's why a lot of people think he's going to be a mid-round pick. Um, he may be in that 4-6-ish range, which isn't terrible for 6'4", 220. But, you know, when you see a DK Metcalf <laughs> around a similar stature go, you know, what is that, four, sub 4-4, four, four, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the expectations can be a, a little bit different there. I think he does some of the similar things that DK Metcalf does. He's not the ac- absolute physical specimen that Metcalf is, but this kid is built. I think he could be a good complimentary receiver on an NFL team. I look at like an Alshon Jeffrey. I look at, like I said, uh, Auden Tate. I look at guys like that where, you know, he, he could be a guy that slot guy, maybe occasionally put him outside for the, for the occasional deep ball, but a good red zone target in the NFL. That's how I see Michael Pittman jr. I, I don't think he lasts personally past the third round. Um, Definitely not past the fourth round, but you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, quicker Auden Tates usually don't last that long because yeah. a really quick Auden Tate is like a Calvin Johnson. But right. I, don't, I don't think he, I don't think you think he's that quick. So no, he's but, not. No, that that guy, that that guy and his skill set definitely has value. Um, that, that's a good one. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. Get this podcast on any number of audio platforms, wherever you download your podcasts. Subscribe to our channel. Get our show along with other shows in the Cincy Jungle Network. Also, check out our YouTube channel and uh, try and join us live either via YouTube, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. It's also up on cincyjungle.com. And of course, keep keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, and Bengals insight. Let's move on, John. We've done a series of these with a number. We should probably keep a list of who we've done. I mean, uh, we've done a, a lot of these, both of our own analysis and with help of others from the SB Nation Network. We did the big three quarterbacks and Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, Joe Burrow, by the way, Tua did declare for the draft, so he is entering the draft for those who do not know. We did uh, a couple of offensive linemen, a, a wide receiver, and uh, an edge rusher, so we've, we've got a lot. So go back to our older episodes if you missed any of that and check out some of the, the player profiles that we have done. 
So I'm going to go a couple of weeks ago. I previewed a wide receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. And he is a guy that also I mentioned Alden Tate. He kind of has a little bit of a, a similar skill set, the big body, kind of the up, you know, vertical routes and and 50-50 balls and you know, maybe a short, quick screen pass type of guy. And, you know, maybe a little bit of a limited route tree, but a big body, decent hands and high, high production while he was at USC. I'm going to stick in the pack 12 with another receiver, but a guy who can do more things and a guy who is really, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. He really is uh, because he's just, he's just fun. And if you have a, this, the key with this player is to have somebody with a creative offensive mind that's going to commit certain amount of touches and creative ways to get this player the football. Um, and it's it's wide receiver out of Colorado, LaVisca Chenault Jr. Um, he is 6'2", 220. He's a big-bodied guy. He can run pretty well. Some people are saying he may, may crack the uh, low 4'4s, maybe mid 4'4s. He's had a little bit of a couple little nicks and injuries in his career with the Buffaloes, but a guy that just, uh, you know, he just is fun to watch. Um, sometimes you see a player and you, and, and Chenault's a guy who's been listed as maybe a late one, a guy who's maybe early second round, that sort of thing. So if the Bengals end up maybe trading an AJ green, trading a John Ross or both, um, you know, if they end up losing those guys, this may be a position all of a sudden of, of real prominence of need to go with a Tyler Boyd, Nod and Tate, that sort of thing. This is a guy who can do things out of the wildcat. This is a guy who can, um, you know, help you out in a number of different ways, stretch the field, do the short passes and do a number of, of fun things. But like I mentioned, he's going to need an offensive mind to help get him the ball. Now you look at it and you go, well, compared to some other wide receivers, there's the big 2018 season in nine games where he had 86 catches and over a thousand yards. He had the, you know, the, the big plays on the ground and you see 11 total touchdowns that year, only four receiving touchdowns this year in 11 games. Um, but you see there are times where there's big playability you see the stuff out of out of uh, you know the shotgun and the wildcat where he's lined up in the backfield and can score touchdowns. So a guy I think that can be a real fun player for a team and a guy that can uh, you know be kind of a Swiss Army knife type of player for a team. I worry that the Bengals staff, if they were to draft a guy like that, we've seen the Bengals draft fun players from college before and not utilize them properly, or they let them waste away behind veterans and that sort of thing. This is a guy you need to get the ball, or, you know, you need to create opportunities for this guy. You really need to create opportunities for him. Maybe even as a return man early on, um, uh, he didn't have many of those opportunities, but the couple of times he did return punts and kicks, they were big plays. So I really like this kid, John. Um, I, you know, I don't know how well he'll, he will test. I think he'll have decent straight line speed. I think you'll see some decent numbers and maybe the shuttles and whatnot, but good hands. Um, kind of a big to me, uh, maybe not so much in the return game, but 
a little a, a bigger bodied Percy Harvin, a guy that can just do a lot of different things for an offense. The the floor, unfortunately, is probably a Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, uh, so I don't know if you want to think about using a high second round pick on a player like that, especially if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. The point may become moot if you bring back AJ Green. You keep John Ross. Maybe you don't need a guy like this, but a fun, fun player to watch and a guy that can bring a, a different dynamic to an offense. My whole thing with receivers specifically who don't end up dominating at where they play. Now, a thousand yards has, is basically like we, we've attached a thousand yards to this arbitrary degree of success when we haven't really contextualized what that really means in the grand scheme of an offense. In 2018, Colorado, I believe, looking this up right now, had okay, so they had about 3,000 passing yards in that year. So a thousand yards is pretty good for a receiver who, you know, just looking at. Yeah, so he was the feature receiver of that 2018 Colorado team, which is good for him. It shows that an offense can fl- can flow through him, and that's it's indicative of potential success in the NFL. For both, both for guys who haven't really done that consistently throughout the course of their career, I wonder if their athleticism and if their type of skill set can translate into the NFL. Because for a guy who you want to compare to Percy Harvin, not necessarily that that's a stone-cold comparison, but Percy Harvin was this crazy athlete that could just – do anything that he wanted on an NFL field when he was perfectly healthy and he could run past guys. He could make guys miss. It really comes down to for some of these guys who, you know, who need specific ways to win, it'll come down to how their athleticism can translate because for, for a lot of receivers who, you know, or more big body guys that can kind of just out muscle guys at the catch point in college, that, that skill set becomes harder to translate in the NFL. You look at guys like, you know, Mike Williams and Laquan Treadwell. For, for some, it works. For some, it doesn't. For like DeAndre Hopkins, he's managed to make an NFL, you know, he's been become an NFL star off of that one skill set. But for some guys who can't necessarily separate based off of any type of above average athleticism trait, it becomes hard for that production to translate to the NFL. So the size definitely intrigues me. That, that one year of production at Colorado intrigues me. So those are both good signs for him. It's just the fact that he wasn't as consistent with that production is, is worrisome. And I wonder if he's going to have that one athleticism trait that he can rely on to succeed in the NFL. And like, you're right. Like the, the, the most fun Bengals gadget player that they've ever had was really in recent memory was Andrew Hawkins. And he is, his athleticism definitely translated because like there, there'd be times on bubble screens where guys wouldn't be able to touch him. But obviously we're talking about a completely different type of player, different, someone who's, you know, completely different in terms of size and athleticism wise. So the, the, the ability to do multiple, multiple things on the field intrigues me. It's just a matter of if that athleticism is going to translate into the NFL where it's much harder to make guys miss and, and go over guys and produce in ways like that. So I don't like to make excuses for players, but I did watch a little bit of Colorado football this year and, and the quarterback, Steven Montez took a step back from 2018. Um, he, he missed a lot of plays that were there and uh, I mean, you look at his, you look at his statistics, um, you know, never cracked 20 touchdown passes in his Buffalo's career while playing in 12 games a piece the past three seasons. So not a lot of statistical production from the quarterback there. I, Montez has size and all that kind of stuff. That's a different prospect for another time to talk about, but that you, you bring up a valid point though, John is, you know, is he, is he very, very good for, what teams like to do in college or was Colorado just scratching the surface as to what innovative play callers in the NFL could do with a guy like that. I could see a Cliff Kingsbury along with a Kyler Murray, you know, pairing this kid with Kyler Murray, 
you've got an aging Larry Fitzgerald, you know, this, that could be a fit there atop, you know, the second round because the Cardinals have an early pick there. I think um, mm-hmm. the saints, the way they use guys all over the place, he could be a fun player on that offense to pair with, with Michael Thomas. I mean, you, you want to give credit to Zach Taylor for having this offensive mind and Brian Callahan and, all, you know, they didn't really show much of that this last year, but if they get, quote unquote, their guys and these guys that have these type of skills, who knows, you know, may, maybe these are the types of players they need to get to create all kinds of different mismatches. This guy, I think can be that in the NFL, but your concern is, is valid, John. Is it, is it, he's already hit his prime and, you know, kind of peaked in college as they say, or is it, is his ceiling you know, kind of really, really high because he was in a limited offense. I, we don't know, but I'd like to think it's the former rather than uh, the the latter, you know. So, um, yeah, that's my guy, LaVisca Chenault. It only takes one team to, to, to take that chance on him. And, he, and for a guy who's had such an interesting career as him, depending on how he tests, it could be a team as, as high as the top 40. So definitely a name to watch. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, so we're going to stick, or I think we're both going to stick on the receiver theme. Yeah, but I'm so going to <laughs> start with my receiver. Yeah, uh, he was not at the Senior Bowl because he actually just turned 21. He was an early entry into the NFL draft, and he's a guy that a lot of people do like specifically Bengals fans. It's just that his 2019 season left a lot of bad taste in everybody's mouth. And then he had a very interesting combine performance as well. I'm talking about TCU's Jalen Rue, mm-hmm. um, a guy that I I love for a lot of the same reasons that I love John Ross coming out. Um, same height at 5'11", but he's actually 20 pounds heavier, 206 pounds. And that makes a difference when you contextualize his, his combine numbers because – at the combine, he ran like a 4-4-7-40. He was projected to be under 4-4, somewhere in the 4-3s. And I think he had like a 7-2-6-3 cone. Now, the 7-2-6-3 cone, it can't really be justified even at that size. But when you talk about density in terms of comparing that to the actual numbers, he actually ended up with uh, an 84.86 speed score, according to um, James Coburn's um, methodology of contextualizing athleticism. And that 84.86 speed score, it's still in the, obviously in, in the upper echelon of comparing speed to everybody else. But those he had, I think, well over an 11-inch ver- uh, broad jump and a well over a 40-inch vertical. 
He actually tested the 99th percentile in terms of explosion for his size. So if that speed didn't exactly translate to the 40-yard dash, you know that that speed is real when he puts on the pads because people who are that explosive are usually end up being that fast. And I think it's the same. It was the same thing with John Ross. He ran a 4-2-2-40, and he had, I think, almost the exact same uh, um, jumps as Jalen Rieger did at the Combine. But not, not only were the questions at the Combine that can be ironed out, there was also questions about his uh, about his production in his last year at TCU. He ended up with, I think, PFF's lowest percentage of catchable targets thrown his way in 2019. The quarterback play there was absolutely atrocious. So you really have to judge him based on what he did in 2018. Now, mind you, in 2018, he was a 19-year-old just so- sophomore at TCU, a true sophomore there. And at 19 years old, he ended up with a 92.84 production score in terms of just measuring market share against strength of schedule. So the production was definitely there when it actually mattered. And I reached out to my friend at PFF, Austin Gale, to give me some numbers about um, in terms of drop rate and contested catch percentage because he was marked in terms of just 2019 numbers with a drop rate of 13% and a contested catch rate of just 42%. The drop rate is well below college average and the contested catch rate is just about average. In 2018, when he had actual sustainable quarterback play, his drop rate was just 6.3%, and his contested catch rate was 48.8%. Both of those are above average. So I think you look at his overall profile and what he does well. He's an incredibly explosive route runner. He changed direction easily. At, at 5'11", he actually has a decent wingspan. And he can actually high point balls. He's got much better balls or ball skills and body control than John Ross does at the catch point. So he brings a lot of the same things that Ross does, but he is just a slightly more better player, more all-around player. He brings that same athleticism. I wouldn't invest too much worry into the 40-yard dash. I think he just plays faster than that. And when he did have decent quarterback play, he was productive. I think that if he's there at 33, he's 100% in the conversation. I think a, a smart team who needs a receiver that's drafting somewhere in the 20s should take a chance on him. But if they don't, I think he brings a lot of, of useful assets to what this offense can be. So you believe that uh, – by the way, I hate to – I hate to correct you, but I only know this from a tweet he sent out. I believe it's I he pronounces his last name, I think, Rager. I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I'm, but I'm so I would have gone I would have gone with Ray, Rieger or Rager myself. But I think I nothing think, I said matters anymore. Oh put on that flamingo hat again. No. Um so you think he is a viable option at 33 for the team if he falls there? Absolutely, hundred percent. I think with his production, his athlete, his athleticism, the fact that he's only 21 years old, so he can absolutely become better. Uh, there's just a lot of skills that can translate into the NFL. And I think you're t- when you talk about a tangible potential that a player can reach, we're talking about someone who could be a, a definite high-quality starter. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because he's he's a little bit lost in the shuffle of some of these other names. I mean, he, he kind of had some early hype, and then it kind of died a little bit. But – he still has to be in that round one, round two discussion because of some of the skill sets that he brings. And he's one of those guys that, like I said, kind of got the early hype that faded a little bit because of some others rising and everybody finding out the depth of talent in this class at that position. And then it's kind of buzzed back up again. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where he actually ends up, but uh, definitely should be on the topic of, or should be, 
on the table for discussion. Should he land, uh, be available at 33, there's probably going to be a lot of different options for the Bengals. The guy I'm going to talk about, I don't, I don't believe he's going to be an option at 33. He might, but I, I, I think I'm thinking more around three or four for, uh, this young man. I'm going to, I said his name earlier, Chase Claypool. I'm going to look at, uh, I'm, I'm going to look at him this week for the 2020 prospect watch wide receiver out of Notre Dame, a guy who really just kind of jumped out of the gym, right at, at the, at the combine uh, did some things at the, did some things at the senior bowl and, and, you know, got, got acclimated there. But I think once they saw the workouts, I think it, it's prompting teams to go back and look at some tape with this kid. To me, this is a very, very similar situation to a DK Metcalf, both in how they worked mm-hmm. out, the size, all of that. Now, unlike DK Metcalf, he didn't go into the combine as like this, you know, oh, he's going to, this guy's a freak. It, it kind of came to light a bit as the the combine came about. Some people thought he should bulk up John and play tight end at the next level that there was some talk of that. And I, I was like, wow. Okay. But this kid, you see the numbers I put on the screen uh, close, to, uh, you know, 4.42 uh, 40 yard dash time, broad, huge vertical jump, broad jump, six, four, almost 240 pounds. He's probably going to lighten up a bit, uh, you know, playing at the next level, but just a freak. The issue is lateral movement as it was with DK Metcalf The issue is, you know, is he just a one-trick pony? Is he going to be a guy that you just kind of throw slants and go routes to? And if he is like DK Metcalf, by the way, DK Metcalf had a pretty good rookie year. And you can go back to some of the plays he made against the Bengals in week one, if you really want to look at that. He he was kind of a red zone guy. He was able to to make some plays with Russell Wilson being able to ad-lib in the pocket. Oh, yeah, that's also something Joe Burrow's pretty good at. So this could be a guy round three. Maybe if he falls to the top around four, you didn't get a wide receiver in the first three rounds for some reason. If he's still there, this, this could be your guy. Very similar in terms of, you know, big bodied prototypical size, I guess, for a wide receiver, great speed, but we've seen guys like this where these, these analytics of the shuttle, the cone drill, lateral movement, scouts you know early 2000s mid 2000s they didn't look at that they saw a big kid who ran fast in the 40 and they just said to hell with it this this guy's this guy's going to be a great wide receiver but it never panned out because he was too limited in other facets I worry about that with this guy John but overall this could be a DK Metcalf type of player if everything works out the the, the questions with Metcalf should have been about the fact that he wasn't productive at Ole Miss and the fact that he was he was with a group of receivers who were talented. I think Demarcus Lodge, who's now with the Bengals, was one of those guys. And it, like AJ Brown, right? Yeah, exactly. Who ended up having a great rookie year with Tennessee. Right. Like Metcalf had the athleticism to translate into the NFL because you saw that speed and that explosion on tape at Ole Miss, even if he wasn't used that much with Claypool. Like these numbers were completely out of the blue because you didn't see that speed and that explosion the other day. I actually watched a little bit of Claypool today, and he, and he just looks like a tight end out there. He looks like a t- he looks like a big tight end playing out wide because 
you don't you want to see more of that speed. You want to see more of that explosion. You have to think if you know Notre Dame just didn't want to utilize it that much, if they wanted to feature more of Cole Komet, who was the tight end who might go in round two or three out of Notre Dame, you, you wanted to see more out of Claypool because obviously these numbers came out of completely nowhere. No one expected him to test this well at this size. And you just wonder if this is just a situation where guys end up training a lot harder for the combine right. and end up testing a lot, a lot better than what they actually perform on the field. I think the upside of Claypool is definitely there because unlike DK Metcalf, he was productive at Notre Dame. I think he ended up producing somewhere in the 71st percentile, which is just above that, that starter slash Pro Bowl level, according to Coburn's data. Um, so that that's fine with me. Obviously, the, the numbers speak for themselves in terms of what explosion speed can be there. It's just about getting in there because he's also, he's also young. I think he's only 21 years old and he's not turning 22 until later this year. So there's still a, a, a trajectory for him to become better than what he is now. But like you said, that third to fourth round range is probably more accurate because I wouldn't expect a DK Metcalf type impact his rookie year because he's just not there yet as a receiver. And you want to think that he can put all that athleticism together because you're right. Like, it does matter to have that sense of flexibility to, to be a precise route runner, but you can win in other ways as a wide receiver. You don't need to be a complete all-around great athlete to have success. There have been many cases where you just really need one um, elite athletic trait or one above-average athletic trait, and Claypool has two in his size, in, in his speed and explosion. And if he can maximize that in the coming years, he can be a great value pick. It's just a matter of how you plan on using him early and how you plan on unlocking that athleticism. Right, and the, the issue with a lot of these players and guys like a Claypool that you would take late day two or late night two, early day three, there, there are flaws and there are concerns. I mean, you know, there are there, the production, the tape, something isn't matching, right? You, you look though at Claypool's production. Uh, I think he had a fairly productive he did, sen- yeah. senior year here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, you look at it and it's, it's a fairly productive senior year, but th- there are just, like you said, is he, is he more of a, a, a tight endish, an odd Tate guy that, or, or at least an early odd Tate guy, depending on what we see from Tate this year, but mm-hmm. you know, third down, occasional deep ball, jump ball, red zone guy or can he mold into more of an every down type of wide receiver can he match can he match production with with the workouts the body size you know there the other thing is in, in college and Notre Dame's schedule isn't always the the heftiest the meatiest in terms of who they play because they're an independent school but you know when you're 64 235 as a wide receiver slash tight end or what have you, you can kind of bully college defensive backs around college linebackers mm-hmm. around because you're the biggest, you're the, the fastest guy out there. Is that, you know, you can maybe get away with sloppy technique at times just because you're bigger and or faster than most of the people out there. That's not necessarily the case in the NFL. And I think that's where some of the, the concerns are stemming with that. You know, is he going to, be able to to use that same bulliness, that big body to create plays in the NFL, or will the superior athletes in the pros be able to to harness him in a little bit? Right. And again, like I, I there's definite value in how you test at the combine because that stuff does translate, but not every elite athlete who tests at the combine ends up being that elite athlete in the NFL. Not everyone right. can 
utilize that to their strengths. I will say about Claypool, what he does do well right now, because like you said, he's he's basically like a Mustang running. Like no one's going to take him off of his route, or at least that we've seen in college. How that translates in, into the NFL, I don't know early on. But I think what he does bring, the Bengals can utilize early early on. I think they will be valuing a guy who has body control, who has spatial awareness on deep balls, a guy who can adapt to those back shoulder throws that Joe Burrow loved to throw at LSU. I think that's that that would be right up of Claypool's alley as a guy who did have a lot of those those deep ball chances a lot of times where you can also have some yards after catch opportunities. So I think for the Bengals should be looking forward to receiver, even though a guy like Rieger is, is enticing. A guy like Claypool does bring a skill set that I think they would have a lot of use for early on. And again, if if all else goes well and AJ Green, John Ross stay healthy, the receiver that, that they do draft early on maybe not be used as much. Maybe it would be like the, the, the third or fourth option at best if everybody stays healthy. But this system will require at least four capable bodies at any given moment, and you cannot rely on Green and Ross to stay healthy at this point until they've proven otherwise. So if all else goes well, this is the receiver that they end up drafting. Hopefully doesn't have to start until 2021, and that's a route for Claypool as well because you, you may not expect him to haul in you know, 40 to 50 passes in his rookie year. So if that's the case, it, it, this is a good fit for him to develop into what he can be. But at the same time, there are some assets that you can utilize early in his career as well. So, 116 catches the past two years combined, 66 of them last year, about seven, uh, 16, close to 1,700 yards the past two years, over 1,000 last year, a 15.7 average yards per catch last year, 13 touchdowns last year, 17 total the past two years. So, definitely made a big jump as a senior in terms of production but uh, the reception numbers were there the past couple of years. Like you said, John, the good news about any of these wide receivers, the Bengals potentially opt for in a few weeks. It's not as if, Hey, we need you to start day one. And unless something catastrophic happens to AJ green, John Ross knock on wood again, before the season begins, really it's these guys can take a little time to develop. They can, they can groom these guys into more higher profile roles that could be coming down the pike in 21 or 22. So that's good news for any of these guys, whether it's Rager or Claypool, Pittman, whoever it may be, whoever it may be. We've been doing over the past couple of months, really since I think December, maybe yeah. even November, uh, the 2020 prospect watch list. This may or may not be our last one. Maybe we'll do one next week. Unsure at this point, but we are beginning to at least tie a bow on the 2020 prospect watch list because the draft is next week. Uh, not going to really do prospect watches after guys are drafted. I mean, I guess we could, but defeats the purpose if the Bengals aren't going to take them. So we've done a number. We've we've really focused in on offensive linemen. We focused in on quite a few linebackers slash edge players. We focused a lot on wide receivers and, and other skill positions. So we've that's primarily been what we've been focusing in on. I'm going to go with a young man that I've kind of heard more and more about recently, and that's Antonio Gibson. Very interesting player out of Mem Memphis, a guy that potentially, depending on how, how creative your – uh, how creative your offense is and how creative your coaching staff is could play multiple positions, could do multiple things in an offense. 
He's a guy that lined up as a wide receiver at times. He was a guy that lined up as a running back at times. He's a guy that is just a big play machine when he touches the, the ball. The issue is that he didn't touch the ball very much. Uh, it, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, project player, you're really, you're really hoping that you're catching lightning in a bottle based on a real small sample size. You look at here, I've pulled up some of the measurable six, uh, he's some list him at six, one or even six, two, but he checked in at the, at the combine at six foot plus close to 230 pounds built you know, got the build you want. Um, you see here an unofficial 439 40-yard dash and some other measurables here. If you look at the tape, he does a lot of things that you that you like. He's a big play, big play machine. I think he had 77 total touches last year and double-digit touchdowns. So it's one of those things where you get the ball in his hands and he does things. And I saw some of the scores that he had. It was a, a screen pass out of the flat that he caught. There were big runs where he trucked and spun out of tackles and and made a big run out of the running back position for a touchdown. I saw one where he streaked down the left sideline for a deep ball and caught a deep touchdown. It's it's how are you going to use this guy? Where are you comfortable at drafting him based on the limited limited tape that you have, and will the potential? The, the, the size, the measurables, will that translate to actual NFL football productivity? That's that's the big question for him. I, I think from a Bengals perspective, if they've taken care of quarterback, offensive line, linebacker, and wide receiver in no particular order with their first four picks, let's just say for the sake of argument, they don't make any trades and they don't accrue any more picks. Their first four picks, their first four rounds, they've taken care of all of those picks and you like what you have there. This kid sitting there in the fifth or sixth round, which he may not be. Some some think he could be a third-round player, a fourth-round player. There could be a coach out there that really says, I, I, I there's a lot of clay to mold here and I, I can do something with this kid. You know, if he's there in the fifth round and you've got Zach Taylor saying we've got a little bit of uncertainty at wide receiver, where we haven't made much headway by reports in terms of contract negotiations with Joe Mixon, this is a movable piece in an offense that you give Joe Burrow another weapon. Joe Burrow liked to check the ball down to, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire quite a bit. He liked to use the running backs in the passing game. He liked to just disperse the ball to a lot of different targets. You put this kid out on the field, whether you line him up in the slot, you line him up as a running back, you can line him up as a wide receiver. You may be able to kill two birds with one stone in terms of a roster need here. And that's, that's what I like. I don't like taking him in the third round for the Cincinnati Bengals. There are just other needs that need to be addressed first and foremost, but fourth round would be the, absolute earliest I would look at taking him fifth round sixth round when you're getting some of these high upside project players that seems to me to be the wheelhouse for a guy like this I don't know that he'll last there there might be a team that'll spring earlier for him go look at this guy some of this guy's tape though it's fun it's fun he's he's big he is chiseled the one thing I will say as a running back and as a wide receiver as a running back he he plays a he he doesn't have a ton of wiggle. Uh, he, he plays a little stiff. 
if you want to get nitpicky about it, but he's got power. He's got speed. You can see the 439 unofficial 40 yard dash there. From a receiving standpoint, he's not so much a high point, you know, true wide receiver jump ball up and get it. He's a little bit more let the ball come into him type of type of receiver. But he makes plays. He just makes plays. And you can line him up. You can line him up as a kick returner if you want to do that. Wide receiver, running back. You know, I I had thoughts of potential Andrew Hawkins type of roles where you can move him around quite a bit. There, uh, Giovanni Bernard has been used in, in certain situations. I just like the potential, for lack of better words, fun you can have with a player like this. I, I, I want to. He's a running back, but I, I, I'm not seeing the, like I'm, I'm not seeing the whole potential of him using that as a wide receiver. I think if you have him, you're gonna have to draft him before the fifth round, unfortunately, because. Being 220 pounds and running a sub 4-4, that just doesn't last long, r- r- regardless of the production in, in, in college. I think he – like, there's been a lot of talk about Lynn Bowden lately, the guy from Kentucky. Uh, he's also just this positionless player who you just want to get the ball in the hands to. I, I think if you're comparing those two, Gibson's just the guy that you would rather take the chance on because you know that he's an elite athlete at, at that size. But, uh, like, I, again – I the, the the best thing that you saw from him in college was was that running ability. He has an insane yards per carry clip that it, you just don't see a lot, even even in a, a non power five conference at, at Memphis. So, like like you said, I, I don't think that he fits necessarily to the Bengals for where he has to be drafted, especially if they don't address certain needs. And I don't like going into the draft saying you need to address these needs if your board doesn't follow the same way. But right. I don't know how he would kind of work his way up to that spot where he would need to be drafted if he's there in the fifth round i think he becomes one of the very few players that you would actually legitimately like to use that pick on because you know even as a running back there's value there in the fifth round and that's leverage that you can use against joe mixon in a potential contract holdout but like you said you know joe burrow loved utilizing clyde clyde edwards hilaire and i think if you add gibson to the mix you have mixon become that new edwards hilaire who's just that receiving back who, who isn't charged in pass protection and then you have Gibson being your more traditional running back who just takes it up between the tackles it might it might make Joe Mixon just a better overall and more valuable player and it might have him see his value worth with the Bengals up a little bit more for what they want to do and what they should do and building the offense around Joe Burrow and you have Gibson with that size and speed combo he becomes insurance in case Rodney Harrison can never stay healthy it just basically solidifies the rest of the running back room but like you said not before the fourth round and unfortunately I'm not sure he gets out of that range look at look at this, John, I'm sharing the screen for those joining live. Look at the numbers. I said 77 plays from scrimmage. I was right on that number. Didn't have the exact numbers in terms of yardage, etc. 1,200 yard, 1,203 yards from scrimmage, 15.6 yards per play, 14 total touchdowns. Now, primarily, that stuff has has come, the bulk of it has come from receiving last year, 38 catches, 735 yards, close to a 20-yard per catch average with eight touchdowns. You have the 369 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, 11.2 yards per carry. That's that's where it makes this guy just so tempting. And like I said, I, I think I, I I would not be comfortable before day three. And I would really kind of see it as still a little bit of a reach in terms of round four for the Bengals needs that, that is. And I know we like to say, don't draft for need. You got to, you got to, often take the best player available. Maybe that maybe this guy falls into that 
I just see him as a fun piece in a Zach Taylor offense that can be used in a variety of different ways and even on special teams that could give you a little sizzle, especially in terms of the special teams facet, John, especially if Darius Phillips is going to have a bigger role on defense this year, which he may or may not, and especially if Alex Erickson is not going to be in the mix, either on offense or special teams, if they're looking to upgrade there. I don't know. I, I just I see him as a fun piece to an offense, and if he's if he's there in the fifth round, sixth round, why not take a flyer on him? He's definitely a fun piece. I think he's going to be attractive to a lot of teams who are just in better positions entering this draft with what the roster is, and he just seems like it. It, it, it seems like a player that a team like the Bengals just it, they just can't afford to go after unless they address some other needs and other players to begin with. So I think. The, the team who drafts him will be a, a team that will utilize him to the best of his abilities, hopefully. And, yeah, if the Bengals have the opportunity when, when it's the right time, sure. Because, I mean, there's nothing really to, to hate about that as long as you have drafted good players before him and are in a good shape to add him to the roster because he is fun to watch and he is fun with the ball in his hands and that there's just an attractiveness to that. So if they have the opportunity when it's right, great, because they it gives you leverage and it gives you um, other options in case Joe Mixon decides to sit this year out. We There's a question um, in our YouTube chat. Erickson got cut. No, we did not get cut. But there might be, and we don't know. He's not safe. He's not safe. Let's right. That, that's where I'm getting at. You bring A.J. Green back, Auden Tate's going to have a higher profile role. We think the Bengals are going to draft a receiver within the first three rounds of this year's class. You know, you either you got a new quarterback, you've got two guys that were basically Pro Bowl type candidates as return men last year, and Brandon Wilson and Darius Phillips. Um, you're just kind of starting to see the role for and the fit for Erickson decrease a little bit. Now, we could be totally off base on that, but if you're, we're just kind of reading tea leaves here, he is on the team. There's no there's no news to break on that. I I just foresee him being a bubble guy coming up here. And, and that's where a guy like Gibson may be able to fill a couple of different voids there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here in just a second. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody to get the show however you may prefer it, whether it's on any number of audio platforms that we offer the show on, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, YouTube, all the stuff on cincyjungle.com. Um, subscribe to our channels, get notified when we go live and when new material is available, and check out the other shows on the Cincy Jungle slate of podcasts, including Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk and Orange is the New Black from Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, as well as, sorry if I spit when I speak, by Hoji Smoji and Daddy O McDuke, and my esteemed co-host occasionally goes on that show or somewhat regularly goes on that show. So check out all that stuff. If you, you can get all kinds of John Sheeran all throughout the week. <laughs> I like the wink there. That was, that, was, that was nice. Get the show how we can. We appreciate the support. John, it's going to be a, a busy week next week, but uh, I'll see you soon, my friend. I'll see you then, man. All right.